Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and thanks for joining me here on the Do Business Better podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason. So happy you are sitting in. I'm going to make it worth your while. Today, we're going to talk about post-pandemic plans, perspectives, ponderings, and most importantly, the takeaways that you can apply to your life and business to create a better life and business based on what we've learned because of the last two years. I also want to apologize to you. Speaking of the last two years, a lot of things have changed. We've all had to adapt, and I'm going to get into some of that as well as the lessons from those uh, changes and adaptations. But I want to apologize for not releasing one of these episodes for the last four months. Yeah, it's been four months, and I apologize. It's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't want to share uh, great guests and great information with you to help you. It's mostly because I had some other endeavors and I had some other priorities. And frankly, you know what? It always comes down to this. You make time for the priorities for you. And the Do Business Better podcast, uh, unfortunately, took a backseat to a few other projects I was working on, as well as some time with my bride. And then, of course, my uh, my uh, two-week uh, absence, or almost three weeks, as it were, of having COVID. So uh, besides all those things, I just want to apologize that we haven't had one of these out. But I'm going to make it worth your while because of what we're going to get into today. Um, post-pandemic. Ponderings, plans, perspectives, takeaways, lessons. All right, let's go ahead and get get the whole thing thrown out there. I'm recording this right now on March 8th of 2022. And I've been thinking about this subject for my hikes and, and whatnot for the last several weeks, thinking, you know, I really want to share this with my, my followers and the listeners. So let's just have a go at that. It was two years ago, March 12th. I got home, my wife's birthday from uh, traveling, you know, winter meetings month. I'm gone a lot. There I am making her coffee. She says, have you looked at email? I said, no, I've not looked at email yet. And she says, well, we just can't, we just lost five of your speaking engagements. They're all canceling. All hell began broken loose. The president's on TV. And of course, then little Fauci is on TV every minute of every day for the, the what, what we'd found out then for about the next year or two. Um, all hell broke loose. Some of it potentially justified. Much of it I was opposed to, still opposed to, because I saw at the very beginning that we're going to politicize a virus and we're going to be using fear to sell media and fear to control people. And then also there will be government sanctioned winners and losers. Now, some folks don't agree with me on that, but let's face it. If you owned a restaurant or a bar or a movie theater or a gym, you got rocked. And then... Other entities were allowed to thrive. You know, Amazon did quite well during the pandemic. So did the huge retailers. So did uh, pharmaceutical companies where we were required to buy their products. Now, you can agree or disagree with some of this. And you're going to say I'm getting political, which I don't normally do in this podcast. But I'm not even talking about the politics. But I'm talking about the profiteering, the gamesmanship that happened and how a lot of us in small business got screwed. 
You know, this podcast is not listened to by Jeffrey Bezos or Bill Gates. It's not geared to them. It's geared to small biz, self-employed, gig employee, gig economy types, uh, folks like you that aspire to have your own company. Maybe you are a business-minded person that's an employee with the idea that you're eventually going to have your own entity, whatever that is. Well, you know what? I have your back, and I have for the last two years because I was right there with you. My business got rocked. Um, I have uh, a large part of my revenue comes from speaking at corporate events. Well, there were no corporate events. And you might say, oh, but Damien, this is for the good of the health of the people. Well, if you want to believe that, that's fine. But you know what? We've seen very promptly here in March of 2022 how the science remarkably changed based on some political changes. So I'm not going to talk about the whole political things. That's not why you tune in here. I'm going to talk to you about what your business did, what you can do, and what I'm doing, and what changes I think have been made and changes we'll continue to make to succeed now that we've seen what can happen. Because I do not believe this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. In fact, I think it was a dry run. I think that what we really, really established was that a lot of the people are sheep. They will comply. They will be told, put on masks, stay at home. Uh, you know, And if you keep them comfortable enough, tell their employers that they can't fire them. Uh, tell these folks that we want you to stay at home and it's for your own health to sit around, wear sweatpants, not shower, overeat, not exercise, and then get on your computer and spend about four hours a day on social media. Hey, That's great for media and great for social media. The point is, we made a situation very good for the folks that many of them didn't want to change. A lot of teachers didn't want to go back to in-person teaching. A lot of employees don't want to go back to their offices because it's going to be a bit more structured and probably a bit more, shall we say, uh, they will be pushed harder than they would have been when they were sitting in uh, on a TV tray uh, watching daytime TV and uh, checking some emails. Now, you're not that person. You're a small business person. You're a, a uh, you're self-employed. You own a company. You have employees. You have been put through the absolute ringer. You've probably lost money. Uh, maybe you have not, depending on your small business. A lot of folks came out really good. Landscapers, home improvement folks, general contractors, small subcontractors, because there was a lot of money being thrown at the space. Uh, I'm sorry, at the consumer, and the consumer spent that. So again, we kind of ended up with winners and losers, and you'd say, well, Damien, that happens in any economy. Well, certainly it does. But this one was because the government sort of chose that, and that is my opposition. When the government chooses and makes big, huge decisions using the heavy-handed fist of government power, that ends up resulting in some folks lose their livelihood or lose hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. It's not right. So, am I preaching about this? Okay, sorry. And uh, if you if you uh, disagree with me, I don't mind. Uh, disagreement is okay. We we're all adults here. We don't need to go and hide in our safe space. I'm just telling you that from the perspective of a guy who's been commanding his own ship for 28 years, uh, I got through this. But I also took some financial uh, burn on this, and I know a lot of other business people, small biz people, that also did that. So now, what are we doing two years later? So let's talk about some ponderings and some pand- and some pandemic plans and perspective. Well, what did we learn from the small business standpoint? First off, I think if you didn't learn that you have no voice, you weren't paying attention. Uh, You know, you can post on Facebook and have all your friends say, we support small business. Well, that's nice and that's cool. But do you have a voice? Do you own the Washington uh, Post the way Jeffrey Bezos does? You know, 
democracy dies in darkness. That's what the slogan is for the Washington Post. Well, maybe democracy dies when an oligarch who can buy political influence, who can get cities to bid over who gives him the most money to move his offices there, also can control a certain amount of information. You know what? Tune into the Washington Post. I'm going to control what you read, see, hear. Go to Amazon Streaming. I'm going to control what you're allowed to see. Oh, and also make sure you buy your stuff for my company. You see what I'm talking about? Oh, I applaud Bezos as an entrepreneur. Applaud him for being brilliant and successful. But I also know that when we have an individual and a company that becomes this powerful, uh, then who gets, you know the old thing about rusty wheels getting the oil? What about um, huge oligarchs that can then pay for certain political access. And that's my concern of what happened to us in small business. You know, governors, mayors shut us down, uh, brought out a heavy police force. You saw this. Um, the New Jersey gym owner that attempted to open his business and said, I don't want welfare. I don't want, I don't want this. I want to just be in business. Heavy hand of government shut him down. Jailed people that uh, stood up to the government. This is all under the guise of this is for your health. So again, if you believe that, if you really believe that the government shutting down businesses and jailing people was for your health and is a good thing, do me a favor and stop listening to my podcast right now. Stop following me on social media and go away because you and I have nothing in common. And I believe that you stand so opposed to everything that I am, to the people that I wrote my book, Do Business Better For, to people that actually want to better themselves, to get ahead to run a business, to do all the great things that businesses can do, especially small businesses, employing others, creating the wealth creation influence that was, you know, when a small business grows, they go next door and buy supplies and they expand by hiring the contractor that lives in town to buy two by fours from the lumberyard that's across town. You see what I'm talking about? The economic multiplier index, small businesses do that. You know, when we were going through the first six months of this terrible ordeal of being unable to do business, unable to make money at the hands of government force, my wife and I had a big discussion about this, and she started to cry a little bit. And she says, you know what, Damien? We didn't come from nothing. We're both former factory workers. You came from a small, very undercapitalized farm. Uh, you didn't inherit anything. When you're one of nine kids, what is there to inherit, right? Um, and she says, Small business self-employment has always been the ticket for lower middle, lower income people or lower middle class people to work their way up into the middle class. So I'm sorry if I maybe say some things that some folks don't agree with, but let's point this out here that small businesses, those very businesses that had no voice that were put out of business or shuttered and locked due to some mayor, governor, president, whoever it might have been, a politician who's likely never run a business, small businesses bore the brunt of a lot of pain. And again, small business, self-employment, starting your own entity has always been a way to climb from lower income to at least middle or upper middle income existence. I've done it. You've likely done it. I applaud this. So, again, I don't mind if you disagree uh, with some of my assessment, but that's exactly what we saw happening. So what I learned is that we don't really have a voice. I learned that there's going to be pain inflicted upon us, and then we're going to be given a token. The token, of course, would be things like the PPP. 
That's the Paycheck Protection Program. Remember that? came out uh, about uh, spring, summer, uh, two years ago, and it was to keep people employed. Now, the problem is, what if you only have one employee? A lot of small businesses don't have, as the bulk of their expenses, employees. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's machinery. What if you're a small business who has uh, a big, huge piece of equipment? Um, let's just say anything from a bulldozer to uh, a, a, an HVAC cleaning system. Who knows what this thing should be? Maybe your one piece of equipment is you go around, you clean out the hoods of restaurants. And now the restaurants have been closed. You only have yourself and then maybe your spouse that helps out sometimes, but you You've got $500,000 worth of equipment invested, and now you're not making any money because the businesses are shut down, and you're told you're not allowed to work, but you still have a note and your insurances. So in other words, the PPP was fine to keep employees employed. Didn't do a whole hell of a lot for those of us that have very few employees or no employees, but also still have a big basket of expenses. What else did we learn? We learned that you're not going to be able to just sit there and hope that you're going to get bailed out, even though the entities were put out of business or harmed or hindered by at the hands of government. You couldn't count on that same government to help bail you out. We got the PPP. It amounted to very, very little. It amounted to about one-tenth of what our losses were. You probably don't need to be a mathematician, nor do you need to be a business guru to say, wait a minute, if uh, my business was cost $500 and I got less than 50 from some program, how long can you make that last? Which brings me to the takeaways, the things that all of us should learn from this. First off, be adaptable. Secondly, you know, in corporate America, they always talk about pivoting, 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 pivoting. If you didn't pivot yourself during the last two years, you either didn't have to because somehow you were left intact and allowed to still do business, or you went and got a normal job, or you decided, like so many Americans, just to go ahead and hang it up and retire uh, or accept some sort of social safety net uh, payments and not work anymore. But most of us had to adapt and pivot. So I'm going to talk about all of those things then when I talk about what we did what I did, and what I think a lot of the small biz friends that I have also have done, and the lessons that you can take and apply to your life. Uh, first off, let's talk about adaptability. Um, folks like to say it. Big companies like to talk about their pivoting. And let's face it, you think large organizations are really pivoting that that uh, aggressively? Do you really think they're that adaptable? I think most large corporations get really good at doing what they do. They have a lot of money coming in. They have a certain amount of economic strength and position power. So what do they do? They get comfortable. They get stodgy. They get people on their boards of directors that agree with the guy in charge. Works out really well until it doesn't. So I think that small biz folks probably have shown their ability to pivot because it can't just be that you have big, huge economic prowess or political connections to keep you afloat. What did you do? I'd like to have an email or send me a message. I'd like to know some of your stories and then bring you on here as guests of what things you did. And I'm not talking about in the first three months of this whole pandemic thing, because we keep saying post-pandemic, but is it really? When will this go away for real? I still have to wear a mask to get on an airplane. Is it really post-pandemic? Maybe it never is. Maybe it never will be. If Pfizer's going to make $54 billion this year, which they are projected to do, 
Does Pfizer really want us to ever be in a post-pandemic world, considering that about 80% of that $54 billion was from of the vaccines? Hmm. So I beg you to ponder, are we ever really going to be post-pandemic? Well, the powers that be want us to be post-pandemic. A lot of money to be made, a lot of power, a lot of profiteering, a lot of political power structures also created or at least enhanced because of the pandemic. So anyway, what are you going to do? What adaptation can you make? What pivot can you make? Well, you probably had to rethink your actual business. You probably for a while thought about paring down expenses. Maybe you didn't need to promote. Maybe things were going crazy for you because you like uh, did something that wasn't shut down. Golf courses for the first time ever. I picked up golf in the year 2020. Golf courses saw a 10% rise in in green fees and, and games played from 2020 till the summer of 2021. I'm guessing that has continued and growing. So some businesses did okay. So did you just double down on that new thing? Probably, and probably should. Can you pick up the old thing? For instance, for instance, can you find, can you find yourself back to where you were two to two and a half years ago doing that and also this new thing? And the question there is that means that you're growing your business in a different direction. Do you have the employees or the time to do that? So my big takeaways are, my big takeaways are, and I got eight of them uh, for me, and I want to know if this is the same for you. And again, if you if you have some lessons from this, I want you to come on and uh, and be a guest. We can talk about some of the things you discovered or had to uh, start doing because of the changes. One of the um, one of the first things that I would say was my takeaway was the value of having a deep Rolodex. Now, I talked about this in my book, which, by the way, came out three years ago. That's right. Three years ago, April of 2019, the book Do Business Better came out. If you have not bought a copy, I still have some. Go to DamianMason.com. I've still got a few boxes left. I'd love to fire sale them and get them all out the door because, uh, you know what? We got more stuff coming. I talked about a deep Rolodex. Now, if you're not my age or older, you don't even know what a Rolodex is. Before there were contacts on your smartphone, there was a Rolodex, which means you stuck their business cards, people's business cards, the contacts that you had into this little Rolodex. Um, or maybe you entered it all in there. The point is it was on your desk and it was everybody's name and phone number. Address too, before email. You should have a deep Rolodex if you have been in business for more than a few years. You should continue to cultivate that. You know, every opportunity you'll ever have comes from other people. You hear me say that, and that's true. Um, there's no such thing as catching lightning in a bottle and uh, being at the right place at the right time unless there's somehow other people giving you their money. You see what I'm saying? You can catch lightning in a bottle and be at the right place at the right time, but every dollar you're going to make for the rest of your life comes to you from other people. It's their money now and it's going to be yours. So the point is, how can you utilize your resources and relationships to get more money? And that's a, an important lesson. Uh, I found some new roles. You probably did too. I started doing some uh, promotional work for an agricultural entity. I also had several of my clients that asked me to do some virtual training for their people. Uh, did some new things, found some new roles, enhanced my income in, in a time when obviously my business was changing because the corporate meetings market went away. That's lesson number one. What did you do 
And more importantly, did it teach you the value of having a deep Rolodex? If it didn't, it should have. Know people. Reach out to people. Keep your communication up with those people. Don't just call them when all of a sudden things are bad. Because then it's kind of like the little boy that cried wolf. You call those people, and you keep up with them, and you meet them at places. And you go to the rotary meeting, and you see them at the county fair, and you buy them a drink when you bump into them at the restaurant. And you know what? All of a sudden, you have an actual relationship that will enhance your life and business, and probably theirs as well. Remember, it has to be reciprocal. The Rolodex has to be reciprocal. Otherwise, those people will stop taking your calls. Find new roles by having a deep Rolodex. Number two lesson. Uh, that I got. The importance of keeping cash back. Did you keep enough money back? Now, I'm not being arrogant here. You know, it isn't like we're sitting on tens of millions of dollars that, you know, we just have locked away in a, in a treasure chest. But the point is, if you've been working for a while and if you have, if you're not 25 years old, and even if you are 25 years old, you should have adjusted your spending and kept some money back. Now, a lot of Americans did. The savings rate a couple of years ago, April, May of 2020, we saw a record savings rate, like half, like 50% savings rate of the money that came in the door to a household. They saved like 46% of it. It was an ungodly number. We'd never seen it before because we are horrifically undersaving in the United States. We generally don't save anything that we make. We blow more money than we make. Remember, it was only a few years ago, and I talked about it again in my book about the credit card debt, where there's some ungodly number, like $7,000 of debt in credit cards for every American citizen. I don't know if it's still that way, but it was, is the point. So we started saving money, but the point is, did you have money saved before we got to March of 2020? Did you have money set back? A rainy day fund. I hope you did. And if you did not, I hope you learned your lesson because you know what? When all hell breaks loose, having cash back, having some money in savings and checking accounts, being underexpended gives you latitude. It also lets you sleep at night. It allows you to weather this storm, to breathe a little bit and let things shake out. So you're not making rash decisions in the first two to four weeks when all of a sudden the government says, we're going to shut things down. Now, there was enough panic as it is. Couldn't buy toilet paper, for God's sakes. Then next came groceries. Couldn't get meat. Could still get fake meat. Could still find all the Beyond Burger you wanted, because nobody, even during fear of hunger, nobody, even fear of hunger, nobody would buy that shit. My assessment of Beyond Meat, if you will. But the point I'm making to you is, did you have money saved back so you were not at least panicked about that? If not, make sure that you set this goal and you keep a certain amount of money back. Because if you want to be successful and you want to be able to weather the storm, but more importantly, you want to be able to sleep at night when turmoil is amongst us, have some money back. Number three thing, diversification of revenue streams. Is all your money come from one thing? I told you that speaking at corporate events, agricultural meetings in particular, is one of my big revenue streams, but it's not my only revenue stream, and I was very happy about that. Do you have other revenue streams? And if not, could you create some additional revenue streams? The benefit of diversification of revenue is that when one thing is underwater, the other two, three, five things that earn you money might be above water and should be. In other words, create enough revenue streams. It's not because you need to have a million from all of them. The point is you need one or two of them to always be flowing if the other streams go dry. For me, we have uh, farm, we have uh, some other business interests, we have speaking, we have some product sales, and we also then grew another couple of things. I'm now working with a group called Extreme Ag, uh, where I create video content for them. Again, using the Rolodex 
to create more revenue streams. So right now we're at five or six revenue streams. Obviously some are much more significant than others, but as long as all of them are flowing, or at least if the bulk of them are flowing, things are less stressful on the home front and it allows you to always then think more clearly about the business because it's not just saying, oh crap, I had one revenue stream and it's all dried up. Number three thing, I'm sorry, number four thing. Uh, I said, uh, number four thing. The art of improvisation. You know, I took classes at Second City um, in Chicago in the year 2002 when I was transitioning from being a political comedian to doing what I do now. And improvisation is an important skill. Uh, Can you learn it? Yes, sort of. You can go and take classes like I did. But if you have no talent, if you have no showbiz chops, you're probably still going to be hopelessly uh, underperforming or hopelessly (laughs) uncomfortable on the stage if you don't have any uh, God-given showbiz talent. But the point is, improvisation really is means about working on your feet, right? You're tossed, you're tossed this whole new situation. You know what? Now act. Well, that's what all of us need to do as business people. We need to improve our improvisational skills. Improvisational skills, meaning what happens when all of a sudden I put you in this situation? What you do in improv, you say, all right, Cindy, get on the stage. You are auditioning for a role to be Barnum and Bailey circus clown. Uh, Tom, you are the boss, but the problem is you also, um, think you're a lion. Go. And then they play this little thing out and everybody laughs. The point is, improv sticks you in a role. And all of a sudden, when you're in that role, you have to think, what would I do if I were in this role? Do you see why this matters? Why might this be good for you as you run your own business? Now it makes you think, all right, what if my role changes? What would I do if my role stays the same, but the situation changes? Ah, you see, because then the other thing we do with improv people is while she's there auditioning to be a Barnum and Bailey uh, circus clown, also the tigers get loose. Ah, and now we see how this plays out. Are you able to improv? Are you able to put yourself into a situation and say, what would I do in this situation? And the reality is, until you're there, you'll never really know the results, but it's very critically important when you're in times of tumult, as we have been, to be able to improvise and work on your feet. Can you perform under adversity, under rapidly changing circumstances? Can you improvise? Number five, strength strength on the home front. You know, there was all the talking heads on like the Today Show two years ago. They said, oh, we're going to shut down the economy and everybody's going to be at home watching our TV show. Amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. There's going to be a baby boom. That's right. Nine months from now, all of these couples are going to have babies. Well, guess what? That's complete and utter bullshit. What really happened, the stress of being under government mandates to not be able to leave your house or go to work, where sometimes you were being arrested if you went out or started opening your business, the stress of that actually didn't create a baby boom. It created a 35% spike in divorce rates. Look it up. In the year 2020, divorce filings were up 35%. That's the article that I read. Guess what? Things got really hairy on the home front. Because you're into this unnatural situation, it makes it very, very difficult. It makes it very hard for people, personally, emotionally. Lori and I became stronger during the shutdown because we became a unified front to preserve ourselves, our home, our life, our business, our farm, our money. Did you take the opportunity to strengthen your home front? Because many of us that work in small businesses are man and wife 
spouse and spouse, partner and partner, sister and brother, whatever that thing should be. Did you take the time to strengthen your team, to strengthen your relationships? Did you use it as a rallying force or as a divisional wedge? That's what you've got to think about. Diversity is diversity. Is, 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 I'm sorry, diversity, adversity <laughs> is, is adversity of the diversity of times, but is the adversity of the moment, is the adversity of the moment going to be a divisional wedge or is it going to be a strengthening team uniting experience? What can you rally around? We worked at strengthening our team. I hope you did too. Number six thing that I would say that I uh, am taking away from the pandemic and that you can as well. You know, I've said in my book, and I've said it forever, that business plans are neat. They're neat documents. Banks love them. Banks want you to bring in the business plan of exactly what's going to happen for the next five to 10 years for this new entity that you haven't even started, that doesn't even exist for this new entity. What's your business plan? Well, who the hell knows? As I like to point out, was Uber around five years ago? So let's just say your business plan is you're going to start a cab company to compete with Mayflower Cab Company. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why would you do that? You can't go with these five and 10 year business plans fixed in concrete like they will never move. As Mike Tyson said, and no, I don't normally take business advice from scary, frightening ex-boxers who have tattooed faces. But in this case, we should. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Or maybe he's punched in the mouth. Everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth. It's Mike Tyson's words, and it's the smartest thing I've ever heard him say. And it's true. If you were reliant on your five to ten year window two years ago, and your five to ten year plan had no had no uh, steps built in there for pivoting for changing, you're screwed. So I hope to goodness you did indeed have some 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 idea that you know what these plans can't be forever because they will not uh, it, things are not going to be that way forever. I think that you learned that business plans get thrown out the window and it's really, really, really important to have goals versus business plans. What's my goal? My goals were still financial, business, and personal. It's just that the business goals changed a little bit. One of my business goals changed overnight. Start another venture. Find another venture in addition to the primary business goal. Primary business. That became a business goal. Did it for you? I hope it did. Number seven. Uh, I'd say that as much as you might think I'm being a little bitter about what these last two years looked like, it made me appreciate what I have. It made me appreciate the clients, the career, the years, pushing 30 now almost, in my third decade. <clears throat> That's right. 28 years almost done now. I was 26 and a half years in when this whole thing began. So just think about that. Did it make you think about what you've got? Make you think about your health, uh, your relationships, your family? Uh, how good your business is, why you should be appreciative for the customers you have. Uh, did it make you look around and do a re-inventorying? I'm guessing it did. It did for most people. You know that we have increased the number of retired people in this country by like 5 million, according to an article that I read. Like there's like 5 million more people that now say they are retired than there were just five years ago, two years ago. Something like we went from 18.4% of the U.S. population said they were retired to now it's like 19.8%. A lot of folks just decided they're going to change their whole entire life. They're just going to take this opportunity to, you know, buy a van, drive around, quit their job, start a little business, live more independently. Whatever that thing is, maybe it happened to you. And that brings me to number eight. The number eight thing. I took up golf. 
I didn't want to start slowing down at age 50, but I had to reassess. And after reassessing, I decided, you know what? I've always enjoyed my life. And I'm sure you have as well. But did you make sure that you put a little more time in here and there with your friends and family when you're like, hey, turns out, turns out not being as busy where I was forced to not be quite as busy for a little while made me realize I don't mind not being as busy, not being so gung-ho like I once was. That's a little perspective. And granted, it probably has to do something with age. But it did certainly change the way you look at things when all of a sudden you're not hopping on planes because you can't for several months. And then it kind of changed a little bit like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is the way things are going to go. So there's another one that's not on my list that I want to share with you about perspectives and, and, and uh, ponderings. And I'm going to talk about this in a future episode. It's about how now a small business, we survive coming out of this thing. Because before survival was staying uh, in business, now survival looks like it's going to be global tumult, um, inflation, uh, inability to get employees. So I'm going to be recording another one of these about you know new survival tactics uh, post twenty post pandemic, you know post 2022, if you will. And we're going to be talking about that in a future episode. But in the meantime, I wanted to set this out here for you: uh, ponderings, perspectives. Uh, and takeaways from the post-pandemic era. And those are my eight that I shared with you. I know you have your own. Again, if you have a neat story to tell about your business, please kick me an email and I will uh, put you on the air because I know other people would like to hear from you. Um, I do appreciate you sticking around and uh, I do appreciate being a listener. Please share this with the business owner, small biz, self-employed, gig employee, uh, person that needs a little inspiration that you know in your life. Until next time, thanks for joining me here. It's Damian Mason on the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damian on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.